Diablo! Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we're talking about a game with a lot more than three clicks, Diablo, the series that's worn out more mice than the operant conditioning experiments of B.F. Skinner. What is Diablo's legacy and does it have a place in the modern world of gaming? Let's discuss. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. Hello. 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 It's us. It's nice to see you both. It's nice to be doing another podcast. It is. Uh, we're here for our listener-supported video game podcast that we make <laughs> with help from so many of all of you out there listening. And no help from advertisers. What if we said that every time we open the show? The listener-supported podcast, Triple Click. Oh, wait, we kind of do is. say it every time. We, we kind of do, do say it every we time. Do say it. We and do. that's true what Jason said. We, there are no advertisers. Advertisers are everywhere, man. Shout-out to all the listeners and no shout-outs no, to any of can, the advertisers. You can wear the They Live glasses and you won't see a, a damn thing on our podcast. You won't see anything it's, at all. It's very true. Just video games. <laughs> The way you can help us keep that being the case, like keep keep that true, is uh, to become a Maximum Fund member and support us making this show. So if you go to MaximumFun.org slash join and you become a member of this fabulous podcasting network, you get bonus episodes for every Maximum Fund show, which is like tons of different shows. There's shows in every single subcategory of life, pretty much, including video games, which is which is what our show is about. And you'll get bonus episodes of this show about video games. And also Every subcategory of life. You know how video games are a subcategory of your life? I guess that's I think, true. I've always I felt that. I think they kind of are. Yeah, I think they kind of are. Right? They just slot in there and mm-hmm. you could put something else in there, but you won't. You like triple right. click. It's, it's just one of your many um, available subcategories. So anyways, <laughs> um, thank you so much to all the members who support us. And if you would like to become a member, go to MaximumFun.org slash join and become a member. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into this episode. Jason, what are we talking about? Let's do it. So today we are talking about a video game series. It is time for a hot topic about Diablo. Dun, 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 dun. Diablo. Kirk, can you can you get Satan that, uh, himself. that beautiful the devil. that beautiful Diablo to uh, uh, guitar music that guitar strumming? Yeah, we need uh, the, the that opening mm-hmm. guitar tuning business. Yeah, that for sure. Matt Matt Oelman. Can we get like this. a pentacle in the episode title? Can we get like some cool fonts <laughs> in there? Yeah, and, we need and a big old the metal yeah. metal horns. That's emoji. true. Visuals and fonts notably important in the podcasting world. <laughs> totally. That's true. Hey, we should. <laughs> We should start a podcast with with visuals where you see. We should have a podcast people. about fonts where we're just about trying to, ask, to describe them. That, that must is what exist. we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do on this show. I have a lot of thoughts just on the Diablo fonts. two fonts because there they are a lot of some are good typefaces. Incredible, incredible stuff. So Diablo is a series uh, of action <laughs> That's role playing games. Um, it is made by well, it is published by Blizzard. The first two games, Diablo one and Diablo two, were made by Condor, aka Blizzard North. Um, number three was made by Blizzard South, the Blizzard in Irvine. Um, there have been so there have been three major releases. Um, all of them have gotten expansion packs. Um, first two games came out in 1997 and 2000, respectively. Third game came out 12 years after that in 2012, um, after many many false starts and development issues. Um, we have a couple of games to come: Diablo Immortal on phones and Diablo Four on 
consoles and PC. And of course, the Diablo 2 remaster just came out, which is one of the reasons we're talking about Diablo, which is called Diablo 2 Resurrected. And it's a graphical overhaul of the um, the original Diablo 2. They haven't changed any gameplay or anything like that. It is an entire graphical overhaul, which I think would qualify it as a remaster on your scale, Kirk, on your rubric of Yeah, of it's important that we get remasters. into this. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a remaster. So when we talk about Diablo, I mean, we're talking about one of the most popular series ever. Um, Diablo 3 remains one of the best-selling games ever. I believe it has sold over 30 million copies, believe it or not. Um, and so we're talking about some uh, a series that has launched a bazillion clones of other action RPGs. Um, we've seen all sorts of games try to emulate its success. And we've even seen a lot of its principles just go on to, emulate, to, to inspire many, many other designers in terms of like loot and color coding and um, all sorts of other interesting stuff. But first, before we even get into all that and the kind of uh, lasting legacy of the Diablo series, I want to hear everybody's kind of level of experience with Diablo. Um, Kirk, why don't you start and just talk about your kind of familiarity level with this series over the years? Sure. So I played the first Diablo on PC around when it came out, and I remember not loving it and then getting addicted to it anyways like it's this was so long ago you know as a teenager and everyone was talking about Diablo oh it's so cool it's so interesting and I remember playing it and even at the time being like really like this is the whole game and then kind of playing it a lot and be like okay I'm getting into this like my character is getting more powerful and (laughs) that's the quintessential Diablo experience you basically just described every Diablo game that's ever made (laughs) I think is that you have this experience of wait that's it that's all you do, it's and like, then wait. You just eighty click. hours later, you're you like, just click on oh, things. No. Oh no, the sun <laughs> is rising in the distance, and you're like, wait, it's it's t- Thursday. How is that? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Where am I? That's the power of Satan. So, um, I didn't play Diablo two, but I did play what? Diablo one. I just kind of missed it. Um, two thousand huh. was like. I was playing PC games then, but I I don't know if I ever owned it or I just didn't really get into it because it really was kind of a memory of the first game and being like, that wasn't really my jam. Like in 2000, I was playing like No One Lives Forever. I was into Deus Ex. Like I liked first person sort of chewy systems-based games and Diablo was, it just was kind of shallow. Like I really was like, I'm not going to get into this, though I know or at least gather that Diablo 2 was this beloved game in the series, then didn't think about Diablo a single time for a really long time, started writing about video games professionally. That was around when Torchlight 2 came out, I guess, which was mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. before Diablo 3, if I'm remembering this correctly. No, I think Torchlight 2 actually came out right afterwards. Hold on, I'll, I'll double check this. Yeah, let's let's double check the timing on yeah, that. Yeah, zooming in here. So Diablo, so Torchlight 2 actually came out in September. Diablo 3 came out in May of 2012. And so Torchlight 2, one of the reasons it became as popular as it did was that because was, Diablo 3 right. was such a disaster okay. launch. Mm-hmm. That was, I was, it was one or the other, and I wasn't remembering which it was. It was that it was like, this is the Diablo 3 you wanted because it had all these things that Diablo mm-hmm, exactly. 3 didn't have, including it didn't require you to be on the yeah, internet. That was the Kotaku storyline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I played that, so I, I guess I played Diablo 3 before that, and then I played Torchlight, and was sort of back into playing those games a bit, but I've never really found them to be very gratifying on their own, and then I just don't really play Diablo anymore. I had a pretty good time playing it on consoles, and now we're just in this world where, like, Blizzard games in general, it's just hard to get psyched about blizzard games because 
of all the stuff about Blizzard and like the just the way that it, it feels somewhat tainted to me. So now my experience of Diablo is is tied up in that as well. So that's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm at these days. Mm-hmm. Okay, Maddie, what about you? So I never played the first Diablo, actually, and I did play Diablo 2, I think because I just happened to have the perfect friends group in the late 2000s, early 2010s for playing PC games where the point isn't really to play the PC game, it's to have a phone call with your friends and you all just kind of need something to do mm. during the phone call. And it Great could be yeah. clicking on little tiny daggers in, in the modern era, of course. <laughs> when I did this, it was Destiny 2 and people can listen to our backlog of episodes for my adventures in that arena. But Diablo 2 is kind of the equivalent where it's not, you don't have to think about it that hard. There's a lot of standing around and Diablo, this is a core part of the experience where everybody's just basically reorganizing their wallets, if you will. Like there's a lot of looking at numbers and then you drop a sword and you're like, does anybody want this sword? And everybody looks at the numbers and they're like, oh, I've got this slightly better piece of armor. It's so granular and you literally have to put your stuff together. Like if people are familiar with the Resident Evil briefcase, for example, like that's how inventory Mm -hmm. management works in Diablo 2. You're literally like... Tetrising your your sword and your armor and your boots around and it's it's so fiddly. It's just a bunch of little fiddly bits and and spreadsheets essentially. And that's it. That's it. You click on little daggers and then you click on little demon guys <laughs> and little skeleton guys and you talk to your friends while you're doing it. And that's I just have so many memories of hours of time doing that. And then Diablo three came out. And yes, it had a very tortured launch day. We can we can talk about uh, the always online aspect of Diablo 3, but I also played that for many hours with my friends. It's just like a clean line of the thing we played while we were all hanging out. And I don't even have strong memories of the story or what no. was drawing me into Diablo <laughs> would per <you? laughs> se. That wasn't really the point. Like we can talk about that if you guys want to get into it. Like there's some mm. there's some classic Blizzard tropes here. There's a beautiful woman who gets corrupted by evil and then you have to destroy her. Classic stuff. We're talking Widowmaker. We're talking Sarah Kerrigan here. It's all here. It's all in Diablo <laughs> for you if you want to unpack that. But who cares? You're there to click on some little tiny daggers and talk to your friends. And that's... That's the vibe. That's still the vibe. Mm-hmm. It's always been the vibe. Yeah, I think that that sentence sums it up well. You're there to click on little tiny daggers and talk you to your friends. Because I think the two <laughs> the two big things that are most appealing about Diablo are the social aspect, because it was one of the earliest games to really create this like world where you would you would carry your items from session to session and like you could compete with your friends over like and trade with your friends and all this crazy stuff. And then two is the randomized loot aspect of it all, which yes. again was just one of the first games to really popularize the idea of randomized loot, of color coded loot, and of just that endorphin rush when you like see a unique item pop out on the screen. Um, to give you a little bit of my experience, um, I also played the first game, didn't get super into it um, in part because I found it very difficult and I remember always just like getting getting stuck at one point like it was, that was a hard game um it got much easier in part because Diablo 1 was just one big dungeon um, as opposed to Diablo 2 which made the game feel more like, like the Diablo 2 separated into acts and there were different towns and like instead of just having a single dungeon in a town that you would go back and forth between Diablo 2 felt like an actual world where you're going to new places all the time and finding waypoints and stuff like that um, Diablo 2 I got so into I played like thousands of hours of that game. Oh, 
largely for the same reasons as you, Maddie, which was that like it was the first experience. So like I, I played a lot of text based muds before that or like around the same time. And this was the first game that really felt like an extension of that, where it was like, here's this game that lets you play with your friends, not just like one session at a time, the way you might play Starcraft or Warcraft 2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But in this mm-hmm. persistent environment where you're carrying this character from session to session and like you could pick an online character or an offline character and like it, you could only do certain things like online character you you it had to live on their servers even though there were bazillion cheats anyway the idea was like you wouldn't you shouldn't cheat with an online character and there's all this cool <laughs> stuff people did i i can't believe i'm revealing this to you but people did in fact cheat with the online people characters. did in fact cheat um <laughs> but it felt very revolutionary at the time and what's interesting to me is that replaying diablo 2 resurrected now which i want to talk about um i just didn't feel the same kind of hooks in me that it did back then and i think that's largely because there's so many other games that just do what diablo does these days except even better so nowadays if you want the social experience or if you want the randomized loot experience there's so many options to choose from that it doesn't really feel like there's this one quintessential game that like all your buddies are playing and like this is the place to be the the internet has fragmented everybody's like friend groups have have gone to a bunch of different places and it's kind of like uh, does Diablo 2 really have a place in, in your life anymore other than for nostalgic yeah. purposes? I'm not sure it does. Well, I never played um, Diablo with friends. I never played Diablo 3 with people, really, except Jason when I was staying at your apartment in New mm-hmm. York. That was super fun. Whenever, 2014, 2015, and we got snowed in. in snowstorm, we- yeah. Ooh, perfect Diablo circumstances right here. Land party uh, situation, amazing. Exactly. And it was when it was out on console. Oh my god, my apartment was way too small for like three people because Amanda was there and you were there. It was way too small for three people. We made it just, work. Yeah, no, it was fun. But uh, I'm just remembering living in that apartment. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <It's> yeah. tiny. <laughs> um, yeah. It was it was a cool experience because it was out on consoles and we could play um, on the same screen, just on a TV, which was the yep. first time I'd really done that. I guess I'd done a little bit, maybe like played with Steven or something for work. But I never got into the online part of it because, like I said, I never played Diablo 2. So to me, the games were always just about that loop. And I think that's part of the reason why I would always look back at them and be like, this is just kind of boring. Like, it's kind of mindless. Because like you said, Maddie, I've played, you know, I've, of course, played so much Destiny in particular Mm -hmm. as a game that you can just kind of screw around with your friends. And while that game does have those raids and other high level challenges, my actual favorite type of gameplay in Destiny is when it's pretty mindless. You're just doing strikes. Maybe someone has to fill out a big long bounty or something and you're just talking about movies or whatever Mm -hmm. over Discord while you're just you know shooting aliens, which I would imagine Diablo would be amazing for if you were into that. Oh yeah, and it has it has the same dopamine rush as well. Destiny does where you everybody's getting randomized loot all the time. Mm -hmm. There's different colors. You gotta go do your chores and like talk to shopkeepers and like trade things in. I mean there's a very similar feedback loop. Like it's so clear influenced by Diablo. And I mean, obviously, I had many friends who were super into World of Warcraft as well, and I feel like there's plenty of crossover with the people who were really into clicking on stuff and being a part of a social experience. And Mm -hmm. Diablo was kind of adjacent to that, but it was like, if you don't want to play an MMO, but you kind of want some of those flavors of socializing with friends, you can just get in on Diablo and like still kind of get something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. If you don't want to commit to Ultima Online, 
Online or like EverQuest. Yeah, or WoW or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I, WoW, WoW was a few years later, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also remember that um, when I got really into Borderlands, which I've described on this show, is like one of the times when I just was playing the same game over and over. I mean, that game was sold as Diablo with guns. And I mean, that's precisely what it is. It's the different colors of loot. It's the randomization. It's just this pure feedback loop that again, it just, it does something to the human brain, man. Like it just does something to you where you're like, okay, my loadout's pretty good now, but if I just kill a few more skeletons, <laughs> just imagine how much cooler it's going to well, be. Well, so it's the combination of two things, right? It's like one is that that loop that we all talk about where it's just like, okay, my character's weak now, but if I kill this dude, I'm going to get more powerful and I can deck out my skill tree and get new cool gear and then I'll kill dudes even faster and then I'll get even <laughs> better gear and then I'll be able to kill them even faster and just watching that power increase. And then the second uh, kind of uh, ingredient into this recipe of addiction is the endorphin rush and the the randomly generated part of it which is the casino part of it the slot machine part of it which is like oh man if I kill this mo- if I kill this boss this time who knows what I could get I could get like the best item in the game I could get this rare thing this stone of Jordan that will let me go and buy other things and so it just those two the combination of those two things in your brain is just plus the power like, of love and friendship I mean it's unstoppable right. you add the social element <laughs> yeah aka yeah. social pressure for from your friends so they right. can keep chasing loot because you make it better for them. Yeah, so let's talk about <laughs> loot a little bit because we've talked about addictive games before. We th- Some of these topics have come up on the show before, mm-hmm. but I do think you can trace a certain vein of video game design all the way back to Diablo yep. and kind of lay the blame for it at Diablo's <laughs> feet because let me just talk about a few games that I've been playing concurrently because they all have loot in different flavors and they all kind of relate to Diablo in one way or another. So there's Deathloop, which we just talked about last week. There's Far Cry 6, which is going to be my one more thing. And then there's Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye. And that's uh, not going to be my more thing, but we're going to talk about that more later. So I think all three of these games, I just have been thinking about Diablo this week because I knew we were going to talk about it on the show while I play these three games. So... First, there's Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds is a game with no loot, and yeah, it is just I was just like really looking forward to seeing how you made that exploration. one work. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. I mean, it only relates to Diablo in that it has no interest in doing what Diablo is doing. Far Cry 6 is, is actually the most like an Assassin's Creed game that Far Cry has been, where there is loot, and there are even, like, leveled areas. So if you go into a really high-level area, your guns don't do as much damage. So you're really chasing loot, and there's unique guns, and there's it's clearly like a whole loot system built into this game that is fundamentally a skill-based first-person shooter. Deathloop is this weird hybrid of something like Outer Wilds and then something like Far Cry 6, where you are getting better guns, but kind of not really. The loot system in that game feels sort of half-hearted. And the real joy of that game is the knowledge that you unlock and the mastery over the levels. That's a sort of an intrinsic reward. So there's a loot system, but it feels, it kind of feels unnecessary just in the gameplay. And then it feels even more unnecessary when you compare it to how cool it is to be solving the puzzle of the game and watching the whole thing slot together. And it's just, it's striking to me how all three of those games implement loot differently. One of them doesn't at all. And all three of them, I think it's like to the game's detriment, or it just is this lizard brain shit that I'm less and less interested in the more video games I play. And the more I, when I'm playing Far Cry 6, I'm thinking like, man, 
So, like, there's a level 8 area over there, and I'm just going to need to, like, get a level 8 gun, and it's just going to take me forever to get that thing, and it's all just this kind of Skinner box, lizard brain, I want the better thing, and I feel that in my brain. I mean, I played thousands of hours of Destiny, I know what it feels like, but I just increasingly want games to be more like Outer Wilds, and I look back to Diablo, and I look at those games, which are, they're so purely just that, it's like, click on the thing until you get the higher level thing, and I'm like, man... I guess it was always going to go this way. It had to be some game series that kicked this whole thing off, but it was Diablo that did it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, but then again, as as much as like I'm nodding along as you say all of that, and I'm just like I'm so sick of this like this this cynical like loop and endorphin rush that it gets me. I'm also like fondly thinking back to all this time <laughs> that I spent like being sure. like like the rush of of just seeing one of those gold items like gold belt and one of the things one of the traits of Diablo is that you have to identify items so uh, you don't know what it is which. Only adds to the endorphin rush because it's completely friggin' pointless to identify an item. Like you pick up an item and you're like, okay, I know it's I know it's a necklace. I can't wear it yet. All I can Mm -hmm. do is look at it and then buy something, or you know, eventually you get Decker Kane. But like you buy something just so that you can unlock the ability to see whether or not you want. Well, but the idea of that is to to make it more exciting. Well, so this is all casino shit. Like that's all casino stuff. Right. And I have so many fond memories of just like like doing that experience of picking it up. And I don't know if you guys remember, Maddie, you might remember this, but when you were playing in multiplayer Diablo 2 back in the day, there was no like um, local loot. All the loot pool was shared. So you had to be the first one to pick it up if you uh-huh. saw something awesome. Like you had to be click first. That is crazy. And, like have the me. best internet connection. Unless you had a good relationship with your friends and you, <laughs> well, you were yeah, kind I'm, so to one I'm another. I'm talking about playing with randoms. Like oh, well, if you were doing, I didn't like, do that. I can't even imagine. <laughs> what I did a lot was like you would go online and you would go through Battle.net, which was this brilliant, innovative invention. It was the first ever like internet online hub for multiplayer games. You go on Battle.net and you see like Mef Run, like Mephisto Run, like people would just be saying, or Ball Run. And you go yeah. with all these random people to, to take down these bosses at a high level and get super cool gear but even then even if Mephisto dropped the one thing you want you had to be first to click on it it was crazy Um, Diablo 3 fixed that by making loot like character specific so you don't have to worry about that anymore which is smart but back then it was it was a wild west Um, there's all (laughs) sorts of crazy crazy things that happen people would like drop things and then start in like there was no way to like transfer gear from character to character so you would get someone random to like start a game with you be in a game with you and like you would drop something log out and then log in your other character that you wanted to transfer to. But like that person could just like rob you and just take all your stuff and leave there. There's all sorts of crazy stuff back then. But anyway, the point that I'm making is that looking back at it now, I'm like, man, this is what uh, turned me into a degenerate gambler. Or like, this is the same thing that appeals to me about gambling. But I look back at it so fondly. It's a little correlation causation situation there. It's yeah, really, yeah, yeah, I exactly. do wonder. I do want, well, I don't know. Who knows? I wonder if right. like, if this style that you're talking about, Kirk, with that, uh, this kind of style of gameplay, like I wonder how if it was actually kind of bad for a lot of people or bad for the game design worlds. Well, it I might mean, have this been. this gets to the addiction thing that we've talked about. Where yeah, like it could, it's been bad for some people who get addicted to video games. Now, whether like whether that's the responsibility of the game designer, et cetera, like that's a much bigger bigger question. But it is. Yeah. 
I mean, certainly it has been bad at times. It is, though, and, I'm, and I'll say, I guess, in the defense of this kind of game, if a video game is just supposed to be something that you're kind of killing time with, which, you know, for a lot of people is what video games are a lot of the time. They just, like, want something to do for a few hours. Having the reward loop of better gear just be the thing that pulls you along in an otherwise repetitive like that's okay like not every game mm-hmm. needs to be outer wilds and not everyone always wants to play outer wilds i've also found that when i've been playing games over the last two weeks like i'll be like well i'm just gonna play a couple hours of far cry because i like it'll just i'll clear out some outposts and i'll get some better gear and you know like it's that right. same thing you just want to mm-hmm. zone out yeah yeah and that's all right like classic podcast game so, you yeah know, and yeah, yeah you're just yeah, doing I mean, your chores but right. i i feel like again the most fond memories that i have aren't of necessarily the dopamine rush but the jokes that my friends and I would tell. Like we had this Mm. bid about how we would try to come up with metal band names based on uh, item name combinations. And Uh I still think that Torture Barrel is a really good metal band name, like based on that joke from like 15 years ago. I don't even know. I don't even talk to those people anymore. And I'm still like, that's a pretty good band name. But like, I I mean, it's just like, that's what I remember about it. It's not like I'm looking Mm. back fondly and I'm like, oh man, it was so cool when I got got like this item. Like who cares? They're all forgettable. It doesn't matter. They're all just little numbers somewhere. And I don't actually give a shit about the wins or the victories. Although in Jason's case, maybe you do care about clicking just fast enough to beat some other randos on the multiplayer. That's a very different experience. It just be to our different experiences because yeah. I absolutely do remember fondly. Like, yeah. I remember in my World of Warcraft days, I remember how amazing it felt to like get an epic piece of gear and raids right. and like that sort of thing. So I definitely remember that. Same I mean, with that's Destiny, part like, of it. specific yeah. times. But I, but I feel like the socializing part of it was what was really meaningful to me. And the fact that Diablo is a multiplayer game, I mean, this is one of the few games of the era where you could play as a female character, which is pretty cool for the record. I mean, we can get into Blizzard or not, but like Mm -hmm. this was an early game where you could play as a female character and they were balanced equally. And that I thought was very cool, much like the fighting games I also liked at the time. And so just the idea that you could be this ragtag group of people that would all come together and defeat Diablo, it's extremely extremely basic but it's also pretty freaking cool to get your friends together and defeat diablo that's just that's neat and like sometimes you don't need the game to be that complicated it doesn't have to be challenging you emotionally the way that outer wilds does you know i didn't cry yes. at the credits of diablo <laughs> no <fine>. for sure <laughs> there is totally value in this and like you said maddie often the real loot is the friends you make along the way that was true in destiny as well like and it really is as corny as it's well only only if they're gold colored mm, right mm-hmm. right but all our friends are gold colored that's true it's interesting. The The core gameplay is just kind of like rotating between your skills and clicking on monsters. So there's not a lot of thinking in that. But you still are doing some, some you have some gears are turning in your head, especially in Diablo 2. Diablo 3 simplifies some of this stuff. But like Diablo 2, um, you have to like build a character that makes sense because you can't just like go back and, and reverse all your skill points. Like every level you're getting a skill point and you can only, um, or however many and stat points like five stat points in a skill point and you can only use those and then that's it it's permanent it's a permanent change so you can't mm-hmm. go back and change them so and there's some you can, bad and you could potentially too. yeah you could potentially like have uh your character class you could either pick a bad tree or like you could be spreading all your skills out among all the trees and like not do it in an efficient way and you could find yourself in the really hard difficulty level it's really screwing yourself over um so yeah diablo 2 is a beloved game for all, many of the reasons that we mentioned here um 
Um, and then in 2012, Blizzard came out with Diablo 3, which is controversial for a few reasons. One was the launch issues, but that's not important to talk about. I'm more interested in talking about like the gameplay issues because that game, as Kirk, you alluded to before with Torchlight 2, that game had a lot of issues even after people could actually play it. So like a week after launch or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Diablo 3 had to go through this whole saga of, of getting uh, fixed and tweaked and made less uh, less difficult and the auction house getting removed and essentially it took like Reaper of Souls the expansion in 2014 to really fix Diablo 3 and make that game feel like it was like finally lived up to the expectations set by Diablo 2 which I think is really interesting and speaks to kind of like um, big changes at Blizzard big changes in the people who made that game and also a lot of big questions about like what is Diablo 4 going to look like what is the future of this series going to look like especially in a post Destiny world. So yeah, I'm I'm curious. Uh, Kirk, I know you played some Diablo 3 and Meta you did as well. Did you guys what did you make of that kind of the change of that game and do you think what do you what do you want to see from Diablo 4? You know, the changes for me at least. It was cool that it came out on console cuz I liked playing it with a controller, which mm-hmm. is like it's not even related to the changes that really hardcore fans wanted, which were all, you know, all end game related and sort of these these complicated I don't remember what it's called, but like you can go into these dungeons that are procedurally generated and it gets harder and harder and harder. And some cool ideas with loot where like you get all of the loot from the dungeon if you beat the boss, but only if you beat the boss. A lot of MMO style stuff, like things that they do yeah. that Bungie does with Destiny, where like they're just coming up with new ways to recycle the same basic loop and give you endless stuff to do, which is what a lot of people wanted and didn't get from Diablo 3, where I've played through Diablo 3 and I was like, oh well I could now I could play this as, you know, a different character class. Like I feel like like, there's still a lot of game here. I'm just sort of not that interested in it, and I don't have a lot of friends playing it, so whatever. But being able to play with a controller was just pretty fun, and being able to play it on Switch was really fun. Um, I think the Switch version of the game is really good. So mm-hmm. for me, it was just the fact that they released it on consoles was actually like a breath of fresh air for me, and I wound mm-hmm. up really enjoying Like playing a Demon Hunter especially, it's kind of like a twin-stick shooter almost. It really yeah. becomes a different game. It, it felt, it's weird, because like for such a PC-centric series, the, yeah. the console version of Diablo 3, when it came out with Reaper of Souls in 2014, felt like the definitive way to play. Like I remember yeah. playing it on PS4 and being like, wow, this is much better than just like clicking. Yeah, yeah it, it's known for the clicks, but with the with the controller, it's just, it's better. Bing, future Kirk here, and I just, I can't believe I didn't say it's known for the clicks, but it's better with the sticks. That's the joke. That's the joke I should have told, and I didn't, and I'll have to live with that for the rest of my life. Okay, anyway, Bing. Yeah, plus local co-op is also seemingly a better way to yeah. get people who maybe would be turned off by the PC gamerness of it all into mm-hmm. Diablo for the first time yeah. because it's not actually that complex of a game. Right, you can just <laughs> chill out on the couch and like blow stuff right. up and, and talk. So yeah. And so yeah. even your friends yeah. who don't play a ton of games can probably get the the gist of it. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. they probably could even on a laptop. But hey, if you uh-huh. don't want to make them install something, they can just come over and put a control in their hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I agree, Kirk. I actually do feel like the fact that it came out on console console was a pretty big deal for Diablo 3 and something that was cool about it. I didn't actually keep playing it through to the Reaper of Souls period of time, though, so I can't speak to that at all. Jason, were you still playing it then, or 
had you fallen off? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when I really I played a little bit when it at launch, um, and then played a lot more when Reaper of Souls came out. Um, I think when Kirk came over, when that time you mentioned was when I really started. That was all kind of synonymous for me. Was like Reaper of Souls, PS4, the game. Well, no, it did. Well, Reaper of Souls and PS4 were the same time. They they came out on the same day. Like the console versions and the expansion were at the same time. Um, So yeah, so they're synonymous for good reason. Um, And yeah, I remember enjoying it more um, once it was fixed but I never really Diablo 3 really never gripped me the way that Diablo 2 did I think because Mm -hmm. at that point in my life I just had so many other things to play Diablo 2 was very much for me at least a game that I played just because there wasn't a lot of other stuff to play and it like just sunk its teeth in me for all the reasons I mentioned earlier in a way that other games hadn't something I failed to mention earlier by the way was that like is that is the procedural generation aspect of it all which is another thing that just keeps it continuously addictive is that every single level you go into in the game is completely randomly generated. Um, and I, randomly is the wrong way, Perse- wrong word, procedurally yeah. generated. So it's going to be a completely different map every time you play, um, which just adds to this like just constant, you're constantly getting the endorphin rush, not just on a micro level, not just on a macro level with like the big new loot drops whenever you beat a boss or whatever, but also on a micro level with like, oh, what's around this corner? Oh, it could be like a shrine. Oh, cool. I found this hidden passage here or whatever it is um mm-hmm. and it's just an exceptionally well-crafted um game in that sense in that it just like is perfect at like being the type of game that will keep you up playing all night so yeah. jason i'm curious uh t- if you could answer the question you asked before that you said diablo th- or diablo 2 asks mm-hmm. like the remastered version is does this game have a place in the world now because I know we we don't really know about Diablo 4 but just playing a modern version of Diablo 2 like does it feel like it has a place for you as someone who loved it originally I think maybe it it would if I didn't have so many other games to play. And it's a big maybe if. at some point, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe at some point I'll be like, oh, I feel like diving into Diablo 2 and like beating it and seeing how it goes. I already found myself uh, suffering from the same choice paralysis I always did when I was playing Diablo 2, which is like, oh man, I want to start all of these characters. I don't know which character class to go with. And mm-hmm. I went up starting on my Switch like four different characters just to play around with like each of the different character classes. I was like, oh, I don't know. I think that might be the, the biggest barrier for me is I don't know which character class I want to commit to but um but yeah yeah, at least for me I don't know if it has a place in my life um I also don't know how many like newcomers to the series would be like oh yeah I want to really spend the next hundred hours playing Diablo 2 I think it, it probably appeals to nostalgia nostalgic fans um, maybe people who want to play online with their old buddies or like who have mm. a group of friends who they, they're looking for like a good online action action RPG to play together because there aren't tons of options. I mean, there are a few that like people are really into like uh, uh, Path of Exile and like um, right. what's that other one? Grim something? Hold on, let me look it up. Grim Fandango. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Jason, this whole LucasArts game. It's like 1998. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big big uh, action RPG. Classic <laughs> loot multiplayer a collect-a-thon. Loot. No, I, I was right. Grim Dawn um, Grim is Dawn, the one. Okay. And, mm-hmm. um, 
And yeah, I'm very curious. I want to talk about Diablo 4 a little bit um, because we don't know much about it other than the fact that it's um, it's trying to be more like Diablo 2 than Diablo 3 was because Diablo 3, a lot of people weren't super thrilled with like the art style and the way it got a little bit lighter and people want that grim, dark shit that you were talking about, Maddie. It's pretty that heavy grim and dark items. in Diablo 3, but I Yeah, I but I it also looks like an adorable diorama at the same time. Like it's very yeah. fluorescent and like as yeah. you're looking in that isometric view at everybody, you're just like... Like, oh, these are little dolls. Oh, like these little the devil's a little yeah, tiny yeah, doll yeah. guy, and it's just a cute little torture chamber and cute little uh-huh. spikes, and it's cute. Mm-hmm. So I, I get, I get why people wanted it to be darker, but I don't know how much darker it could ever really. Right? Be. Is it kind of baked into the just the overhead dollhouse perspective? Like when it's running at it a high is. frame rate and high res, it just looks like this neat little dollhouse of decapitating goat. It men. just looks like a diorama. Yeah, I was thinking about. I know we're, I know we're not talking about the remaster. Uh, right now, Jason, but in terms of your question, it is top of mind for me because I've I've been playing it um, and switching back and forth between the original graphics, which look terrible, but in an endearing way to me. Mm-hmm. They look like very gritty and like you can see every pixel because it's so low res. Um, and then the new graphics, which look beautiful, but really weird and uncanny to my eye where I'm just like, it's, it feels as though I'm looking at like a Photoshop of Bart Simpson's face to make him look like a human man or something, because I'm just like, (laughs) this is, this is Diablo two, but it's like shined up in a weird way. And so I've Mm -hmm. actually been playing on the old graphics a lot. And the other part of it is that sometimes clicking on stuff in the new graphics just doesn't seem quite right. Like the clicks seem somehow misaligned to me, but clicking on stuff in the old graphics, that could just be my imagination. Please don't Mm -hmm. take that as like an actual indictment of the game. It may just be that I'm better at clicking on things when they're huge blocky pixels, because then (laughs) I can see it better and it's easier for me. But in light of that, I feel like part of what made Diablo 2 seem dark was actually its corniness in the font that I mentioned at the beginning and also the yep. the minimalist pixels and the grittiness of it all. Like, you can kind of tell you're looking at some bloody zombie guy, but also it's just kind of some squares. Whereas the more high fidelity that gets, the more silly it seems in, in Diablo 3. Like, it just seems too colorful and cartoonish almost because it's it's not sure, like, how gritty it wants to be plus it's isometric so you're pretty far away from what you're actually looking at you always feel emotionally distanced from a torture chamber if it's a tiny little diorama torture chamber Mm -hmm. as opposed to like a vr one that like kirk would explore and jason and i would never be able to but totally explore torture chambers all the time of course of course you do i don't know what you do with that helmet on but you know what i mean though it's like it is literally further away from your eye in the isometric Mm -hmm. view so it looks cute to you i don't know maybe i sound like i'm I have disturbed no, I person get because I'm like, yes. listen, the torture chambers are adorable, and the more high fidelity you make them, uh-huh. the cuter they're gonna be. And there's that just is, nothing I think that's you true. I think that's true. Yeah, it's true. There's something about having that distance, and the pixels of the old one really help as well. Like the gritty, like mm-hmm. just the fact that you can't really see what's going on helps it. Uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's what people want from Diablo Four is less visibility or not being <laughs> able to of. see what's going on. Yeah. Um, so there's something to be said about leaving some things to the imagination. But light definitely plays a big role in in Diablo and Diablo Two because you really can't see a lot, and that's part of what like adds to the whole atmosphere of it. Yeah. Um, is like seeing the light sources and stuff. But yeah, uh, is there is there anything you guys want? Like, is there? 
I've been trying to think of the uh, trying trying to think of my own answer to the question. What would make me like really sink into Diablo Four when it comes out? And I'm not sure. Other than like <sighs> if my buddies were playing and I wanted to like play with a bunch of with like a group of cool people who were playing. Hmm. I think yeah. I think the three of us should play. That's mainly what's convinced yeah. me by this conversation is that I I feel like we need to play. Is that it. we'll all cooperate and play some. Yeah, that would be fun. Maybe the game won't actually be that good, but I think if the three of us played and maybe we streamed it that could be really fun but yeah Yeah. you click on stuff i don't know you click on a dagger you click on a little potion that's what you do that's all it's gonna be (laughs) yeah clicking on stuff well so the destiny and borderlands comparisons are another interesting one because in those you have a lot of the same concepts but instead of just kind of mindlessly clicking you're shooting you're aiming reticle at a monster and shooting it right you're clicking on a head instead of on a really tiny skeleton and you're like there's a much higher skill ceiling. Yeah. yeah, it's that you can move your cursor around and you yes, have to actually think about it a little bit. And it's not it's not as mindless when you're doing that. And Destiny, obviously, um, one of the reasons Destiny is so broadly appealing is because it's one of it feels so good to shoot things in that game. It's like one of the best feeling shooters ever. Um, and I think that if if Diablo 4 is just like going back to clicking, I think it's really going to be lacking something that a Destiny has going for it. Like uh, on a certain level, if the core, if the the minute to minute experience like in Diablo 4 isn't as good as it is in Destiny 2, then why would you not just like be like, "Hey guys, why don't we all go play Destiny instead of this?" Well, right? and it'll mm-hmm. it'll have controller controls, but even playing something like Death's Door to pick a recent game, like that game feels so great to play and it looks kind of like Diablo, but it plays more like Zelda and it just has a lot more going on. The combat is kind of more of this Dark Soulsy thing. So I'm I mean, I guess if I hear stuff like about how the combat is just very different, then past Diablo games, I might get into it. But again, for me at least, these days, when a game, the more a game goes into loot like that and loot systems and just I can see the inevitability of the next 80 hours, it just really turns me off now because I don't have as much time and I don't, I can play like one game like that at a time and I'll play it for a really long time. Um, And it just sort of, when when I start a game and then I'm just like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing here. It's 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 a lot harder for me to get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those times in games, not a lot of space in our lives for those. I will yeah. say to your point, Kirk, by the way, I should mention that in a few years ago, uh, we at Kotaku reported that there was a Diablo, that after Josh Mascaro, who's the director of Reaper of Souls, um, he, after Diablo 3, he was working on this game that was codenamed Hades. That was going to be like a Diablo kind of spinoff that was very inspired by Dark Souls um, and would play around with some of, some of those ideas that got me really excited and I was like, damn. But that was that game was canceled and Mascara left Blizzard. So sadly, we will not see that. Fortunately, but a game called Hades did come out that was a lot like Diablo, but was kind of better than Diablo has ever been. So. Yeah, and it's isometric <laughs> and it's pretty awesome. And yeah, has minus cool the loot. Diablo, it is very Diablo-ish, except does not have the loot. But it has a random element. I mean, but I'll take Hades any day of the week over any Diablo game I've ever played. Right, (laughs) right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Diablo is in such an interesting place, and I do not envy the designers working on that game because it has to like like live up to Diablo while also feeling innovative and fresh. And I worry, based on some of the things that I've heard over the years, that they're going to go a little too far towards like we want this to be Diablo 2 and that it's not going to feel that 
that innovative. But I guess we'll see. And like that there's like a crisis of leadership at Blizzard. I mean, it really just well, doesn't yeah. seem like yes. this is the time for the studio to release a game that's going to change everything. Well, the director of that game left as part yeah. of was implicated as part of the recent crisis. So absolutely, that's another thing that is like this is a miserable time for a lot of people at Blizzard for mm-hmm. um, because of everything that's come out and because of everything that's uh, that's been alleged. And uh, yeah, man, that that will be another shadow over Diablo 4 when it does come out. Mm-hmm. Assuming it still does. I mean, it could just eventually die. We don't know. But I, I just wanted to like share a little anecdote about playing Remastered that I promise is related to Diablo 4 because I keep it. dragging it back to... Sorry, it's called Resurrected. It's not called Remastered. <laughs> it's important that we keep the zombies and skeleton guys as, as part of all this. to add Resurrected to my little yeah. lexicon. So anyway, I was playing I was playing it with um, a, a games journalist who I won't name because of but I want to quote them, but I don't know if they would want to be cited. Um, <laughs> so I was playing this with them and we were clicking and clicking and clicking and they were like, is this really all there is to this game? And I was like, yeah, this, that's all there is. It was much like the conversation at the beginning of this this call where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it turns out that's all there is to Diablo too. That's, that's it. You just click. And they were like, oh, you know what? This would be a really great phone game. And then we just both like killed ourselves laughing at that because of course <laughs> Diablo Immortal was the most controversial announcement anyone can possibly remember right. but it kind of would be a good phone game no though. right Diablo is actually really suited to mobile gaming right so and and Diablo Immortal like the buzz for that is pretty good like people who play the not beta surprised. like said it's pretty good it's probably yeah. gonna be a great game people just don't want to hear that because it's like well, oh every phone game has been influenced by Diablo but not in a good way not in a good way to clarify like they've taken all the wrong lessons the mm. reason people were so mad about that like that was entirely Blizzard's like self-inflicted oh, wound the reason people were mad about that was because that was announced as like the big surprise twist ending of a BlizzCon show and that was before they had announced Diablo 4 and they refused to acknowledge that Diablo 4 was in the works yes. and like there had been plans at some point to like yeah, no, say no, 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 no. actually Absolutely. we're making a Diablo game they for PC scrapped too, the announcement, but they scrapped right. them I know so, I know all yeah. that context however it's also true that there are many old school PC gamers who really like yes, Diablo 2 and think games, mobile games yeah. are shit inherently and there's yeah. certainly plenty of problems with mobile games and microtransactions. Well, and like, things like Dungeon Keeper happen. Like there is yeah. a reason yeah. that Classic they franchises yes. on phones. Of course. I'm not denying any of that. However, of what if there was a really freaking good Diablo on a phone yeah. That is not that hard for me to imagine based on Diablo 2. Like, I can picture what that game would be like, and it'd be pretty fun. Like, tapping stuff forever on your phone. Just in time for us not to commute to work anymore. I know. (laughs) know. Um, All right, let's take a break, and then we will be back (laughs) with one more thing. Excuse me, everybody. I just uh, wanted to say a few words about the beautiful couple. I've known you two for a long time, and you get along like peanut butter and chocolate, or you know, like like uh, comedy and culture, like uh, Maximum Fun podcasts. <laughs> Actually, they're having a block party from October 11th to October 22nd, and that's kind of like your party, right? You have a community of friends and family, and 
Max Fun has a community of shows and audiences that support them. You're having a new start with your life together, and Max Fun will be putting out new episodes that are especially welcoming to new audiences. So it's a great time to introduce your friends to your favorite show or jump into one you haven't tried Is before. Is still talking about podcasts? And they're setting up a volunteer event where we can help out our local communities. Plus, Maximum Fun is going to have games, prizes, episode wrecks, so much other fun stuff. What's wrong with Kyle? Is he okay? Oh! <laughs> anyways, anyways, sorry for getting carried away there. If it's all right with everybody here, let's all raise our glasses for a toast to the Max Fun Block Party, which you can learn more about at MaximumFun.org slash Block Party, and don't forget to join in on October 11th. Actually, that... That sounds pretty cool. And we are back. It is time, Kirk and Maddie, for one more thing. Maddie, take us away, because this is very exciting. What are you what are you, what is your one more thing? So I have been playing an advanced copy of Metroid Dread, which <gasps> is a Metroid oh. game, a new Metroid game for the Very Nintendo jealous. Switch. I've been playing it. Oh my god. And it rules and I love it so much. Oh my I yes. could cry. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. It's amazing. Oh man, we're getting a new Metroid game for the first time in how many years? And, and it rules. That's so it's cool. Good, apparently. And it's really good. Yeah, that's so it's cool. really good. So this is another 2D Metroid game. And so if you're a Hollow Knight fan, for example, or into other 2D Hollow Knight? Metroids, What's Hollow Knight? I know you guys it. haven't ever heard of that <laughs> um, and you're not into it, then you would nope. you would probably like this game. I will say, I think that if this is your first Metroid game, that's totally fine. You'll be fine. I will also say it's very difficult. <laughs> it is. Mm -hmm. So my colleague, Russ Freshstick is the person who's reviewing it. And he beat it in like two days because he's a Hollow Knight master. And that's fine. <laughs> I, I have had it for several days. Gamer. I have not beaten it. I am enjoying exploring. I'll put it that way. That's my that's my kind way of describing the way I'm playing this game very carefully. It's quite difficult. There are very many. There are a lot of boss battles. But unlike an old school Metroid game, there's a very... Uh, friendly autosave system in this oh, game. Nice. Which, That's great. If people are familiar with Samus Returns, which was also made by the same developers, Mercury Steam, for the 3DS way back when, launched around the same time as the Switch, so nobody but me and Steven played it. Mm -hmm. Steven Totella, our old boss. Only Metroid Diehards played, played it. it. Fair I enough. I played a little. But yeah, it was not, pretty good. Not that much. But, but, you know, everybody was busy playing Breath of the Wild on a plane or whatever and talking <laughs> to their seatmate about how crazy it was that they were playing a Zelda game on a plane. I was still playing this Metroid 3DS game. And so Mercury Steam in that game also had like pretty kind autosave features. But for this one, I feel like it's super kind. So people have probably seen like those scary robots in the trailers where the robots like stalk you around. And I talked about how they're sort of inspired by the, the SAX, the Samus clone from uh, Metroid Fusion that stalks you around. Mm -hmm. And they're super fast in this game. But I don't know, the game... It just it just auto saves every single time you turn around, and that makes it easy, at least in one specific way. So you feel like you can get right back into the action really quickly. And um, I could go on and on about this game, and I will, but I'll just say one other right. thing since we're already talking about loot. We'll do a triple play on it. We should say that we're oh, going to yes. do a triple play on it. Yeah. Um. So the thing, so Metroid doesn't really have loot per se, but I was right. kind of enjoying thinking about it in those terms, according to Kirk's description earlier in the show because obviously Samus gets 
several upgrades. And that is probably my favorite part of the game because every time you get an upgrade, usually it's hard to find. Usually you have to do something difficult in order to get it. And then when you get it, you're like, I'm a god. Suddenly I can go places I've never been before. <laughs> mm, I can open so doors. Like I can oh, like man, I'm so ball around. I like saw all those places where I could have gone ball mode before. Now mm. I can go ball mode. It's oh sick. I do whatever I want. And then of course, after like an hour of that, you're like, man, I've I've done all the ball mode stuff. Like <laughs> I, I don't know where to go. I'm I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else I can even do, I guess. And I just don't even know what I'm doing. And then you like see some other weird little door and you're like, I wonder what that leads to. Oh, I've never uh, been here before. Oh shit. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the oh my best God, feeling I want to play this world. game so badly. <laughs> ah, this sounds amazing. I love it. Okay. And Samus is the best. That's that's okay. All. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna jump more into this. Nice, we're gonna dig nice. more into this in a couple of weeks when Kirk and I have time to like really sink our teeth in. So yeah. very excited. That's awesome. Man, Metro Dread. Oh, it's the best. Uh, Kirk, what's your one more thing? Uh as I mentioned earlier, my one more thing is Far Cry six, which I've been playing on early copy that Ubisoft sent me. Uh and I love Far Cry, and I I like this game. It's it's pretty fun. It's um you know it's not like super grabbing me for some of the reasons I alluded to. The loot thing is a bit of a turnoff just compared to the way this series used to feel to play, where there was kind of like you would collect things and get better weapons, but it wasn't as you know numerical. <laughs> like it wasn't this feeling of you know the Ubisoft regimented world that's been really arranged for you. There's this feeling in this game where you do the tutorial island. And I looked at my map, and I'm like, okay, that's the tutorial island. Let's zoom out and see what the rest of the map looks like. And it's yep. like, oh, my God. Like, you yeah, zoom out, it's and it's like, the tutorial island is, like, a booger of snot on the nose of, like, this <laughs> massive giant that is, like, the yeah. rest of the map. Well, and then, yeah, when you get off of it and the main game starts. I've been playing it also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah been copy and an early copy from Ubisoft. And you get into it, and the main game starts. And then it's like, and these are the three massive new segments yep. and, like, the three missions you will have to complete to get to the boss who's playing by Gus Frank. Right. And he's great, though I, it's pretty brutal. And I and some of that is just a little bit like I'm actually also watching your one more thing, Jason, which is also fairly brutal. And I'm like, this is a lot mm-hmm. of brutal content. It's just a lot of murder and torture in this game where I'm like, okay, okay, this is yeah, he's a bad dictator. This is this is gnarly. But really what I'm there for is the fun stuff, which is also that was the fun stuff in Far Cry 5, where you're just exploring in there. I can't remember, it's like treasure hunts, I think they're called, where it's like a cool little mini adventure where like a person's left notes and you have to like go on a like solve a puzzle or go like platforming some of the platforming in this game so far and i should say i'm pretty early feels like first person uncharted really like even more so than past games in the series in a way that's really cool so when i'm like zip lining around in a cave and like climbing up and trying to get to a thing and find some treasure that's very cool like exploring the world is cool are you playing without waypoints like with all your ui stuff no, off? Uh, no mini map but the waypoints no are on because you don't really need okay. the mini map but you kind of do but i wish you i wish there were a few more adjustments there and i'm actually bummed that they've gone back to a mini map since far cry 5 had a compass and i think the compass is better right. but um, yeah, I just turned that off. But no, I'm, I'm using the, all the, the little bits and bobs on the screen, and that's fine. Um, a couple of just quick thoughts on it, though. I'm liking it. I'll play it. it like I said, I kind of only like having one of these games, and I've, I'm still playing Ghosts of Tsushima <laughs> Director's Cut. <laughs> and they're so similar. I mean, like, it's that same thing where you're it's a huge yep, map. It go goes on forever. Kind of repetitive. But I, I'm liking that game more. It's actually really noticeable to me 
that there's no wind in Far Cry the way that there is in Ghost in Tsushima where the wind is this like beautiful thing and everything is blowing in the wind all the time. It kind of makes the world just seem flat and old fashioned. It's one of those things that now that I've seen it in a like modern current game, it makes games look like they're kind of last gen, like where everything's just all the leaves are kind of blowing lightly like every Ubisoft game. Like there's not gusts of wind. Um, I like the way you can use the PS5 controller on PC. I'm playing it on PC. I love this trend. Um, this is true of Deathloop as well. There's other games too. I think this is true of Assassin's Creed Valhalla where you can plug in your DualSense and then you get all the cool trigger stuff and the, the rumble mm-hmm. in the yeah. PC version. I hope everybody does yeah, that. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I play Deathloop that way, by the way. Right. Go on. It's, oh, yep. Deathloop's DualSense stuff is really cool. Like your footsteps, yeah, you can tell how loud you're being. Um, yeah. In this game too, but I hate aiming with the, so I like do both. So when I'm walking around, I use the DualSense and when I'm flying a helicopter or whatever, and then I drop it and like go to mouse and keyboard when it's time to shoot guys because it's just so much better. So anyways, um, I think it's a pretty cool game. It's uh, it's not like knocking my socks off or anything. It's it's a big old Ubisoft game. No, it's a Far Cry game. It feels like every like there's yeah. a part of the beginning where it's like, here's a flamethrower, I go burn some fields, and I'm like, I've done this in every Far Cry. Yeah, game. they're not really pushing the envelope with this one, I don't think. Aside no. from, like, your character has a name and is in cutscenes, that's cool. Like, there's some stuff like that, and I'll play more, and maybe there will be more as I go. I was gonna say, um, so I'm also playing it, um, I don't know how much more I'm gonna play, it's fun, but um, one thing I'm very curious about is I'm curious to read some takes when reviews come out um, from Hispanic writers and Hispanic critics, and I'm curious to get some, because the story is, like, it's set in this island nation called Called Yara, and you're jo- you're like playing as these guerrilla fighters who want to overtake this dictator who is just terrorizing this island. And I'm very curious as to like what people make of the story because I actually think it's interesting, and a lot of the performances are really good. And I think that it's like at least from my perspective, it seems like it's well done so far. It's very brutal, like you said, Kirk, very dark and a lot of murder and torture and stuff. But like, um, I'm very interested in the story, and uh, feels very interesting to me, and very very. Uh, 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 true to me so I'm curious to hear takes of people who like who know that world more than I do agree I feel the same way and some of it I mean I'm so early that I have no idea where the story even goes this could be a thing where it completely deep right. sixes itself or it winds up sure. being really interesting bing future Kirk here again as I edit the episode and the review embargo is up and a lot of people who have played way way more of the game than either me or Jason have now weighed in Diego Arguello reviewed the game for Polygon and was pretty unimpressed in general with the game's depiction of Latin culture and just the writing in general. Anyways, it's a good review. I'm going to link it in the show notes that you can check it out and get that perspective on it. Okay, back to the show. Bing! I will say that I think it's really funny that the main character's name is Donnie Rojas, just because I've been watching Ted Lasso. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a Football is Life Easter egg in this game somewhere. Um, I did get an Easter egg that was amazing. There's an achievement when you pet the crocodile at the beginning of the game, who's like your first companion. Yeah, he's a good boy. Uh, You get an achievement that is like uh, Twitter hashtag, like, can can I pet the croc or can you pet the croc? (laughs) Oh, that's Uh, so funny because of that Twitter account. Yeah, there's a lot of good animal petting. A lot of good animal petting. You pet the horse. That's really good yeah um yeah i don't know how much more i'll play but i would like to play more i'll keep playing it and maybe we'll report back so i have expected for a long time that my one more thing would be the many saints of newark the sopranos movie but it was so bad that i don't even want to talk about it so uh but putting that aside i want to talk about something awesome my my (laughs) one more thing is the biggest thing on the planet right now a tv show called squid game Mm -hmm. which is the biggest thing on netflix has been watched by like millions and millions of people including me Um, not all of it but i've watched a few episodes not me. I'm just being contrary. No, I just haven't right. had time. I've been playing Metroid. Go on, Jason. I'm, I'm like six episodes <laughs> in, and I gotta say, it's 
popular for a very good reason. It yeah. is like hmm. amazing. It is incredible. It is so Same good. people like good? Odd. Never heard of that <laughs> happening before. Well, once in a, sometimes you'll see like a Big Bang Theory or something that's like populist. Uh, There's a lot of garbage that's popular on Netflix. That is that is fair. Sure. But this is like incredible. And it's not just incredible because the concept is that it's like a bunch of people dying and competing against one another in this like Hunger Games style like death game competition. It's also really well written and well acted and like well done in every single way. Mm-hmm. It looks gorgeous. It's like it's like prestige TV. It's like the the uh, the um, gruesome like schlock of like death and a death game with like the cinematics and the acting of like real good prestige TV. Um, so anyway, the concept of Squid Game is it's a Korean show. It's set in South Korea, and um, it's about these all these people who are so severely in debt and like just have been destroyed by capitalism and ravaged and financially that they agree to participate in this death game um, where they play uh, childhood games like Red Light, Green Light. You know the one where they say Green Light and you have to run, and Red Light you have to stop. Um, with knowing that the losers of any of these games will die, but the winner will get millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, so that those are the stakes, and um, the show is really good at like setting up these amazing characters and making you really care about them and like care about what's going to happen to them. And obviously, there's a lot of death, but um, the show is absolutely captivating. Captivating. It's enthralling. It's like. Um, it's it's like Danganronpa, the TV show. It's like Zero Escape, the TV show. It does show. have Danganronpa energy. Yeah, does, I find it yeah. very, very compelling, even while some of the scenes of violence are like legitimately hard to watch. Like there are times in this show, which I guess I'll warn people too. It's like there are times where I look away. I'm like, I can't. This is just like mass murder that's just happening. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be horrifying, but it really yep. is. And the performances are so good. I mean, the cast of this show is just amazing. And yeah, like you said, yeah. it's it's a really well-made, well-written Show. Everyone should watch with subtitles, by the way. Do not watch the dubs because you got to yeah. see the... Like, oh, so like, yeah, not sure. the closed captions, just the one that's English without the CC, right? That's the better version of the translation, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've seen people criticizing yeah. the translation. Oh, and is that I, a thing? There are two yes. versions of the translation, and one of them What's is, the better? is even know a that. direct translation of the dubs, which are obviously approximate because they're trying to line oh. up with the lip flaps. And the other one is just a translation. Of oh, interesting. Korean. I don't even know which I've been watching. Huh. <laughs> Maybe you hate the show. No, I'm just kidding. You I'll don't. have to look into that. Maybe we'll link something in show notes. Because there's yeah, like, I was look. reading about this where there's a scene like early where the guy says, stop calling me, sir. And yeah. what he was really saying is kind of like, stop calling me like, you know, your superior, like stop referring to uh-huh. me as your superior. But the direct translation doesn't really convey the nuance. And mm-hmm. I did see, in a, I think it's like a vulture recap. They were mentioning that there's some debate about the subtitles Which translation, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good to know. So yeah. English, not English CC is mm-hmm. the way to go. English is the way to go, not English CC. But it's good, and it's like it's got that battle royale energy, but there's that crucial mm-hmm. difference that all the characters do ultimately choose to be on this show, which is far darker, really, in Oh, a way. yeah. It reminds um, well, me of, like, the Sorry to Bother You warehouse that's kind of like an Amazon it has parody some where all sorry the characters, to you energy, like, move actually, into yes. the warehouse together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds it's, like that. Yeah, it's very, it's funny, like, the last Korean thing I watched, 
watched was Parasite, like a lot of people out there. And it's yeah. just like constant Korean criticisms of like capitalism and where that takes you. It's yeah, really You can imagine. I mean, there's a lot of wealth inequality in South Korea, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is yeah. very similar to here. And obviously resonates with any American viewer. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think one of the really smart things that the show does and one of the things that really elevates it, like I said, it feels like prestige TV. Like it doesn't feel like you're watching some like, oh man, like gotta watch this popcorn, like death game, like watch all these people die for our amusement. It's like, it's, um, Danganronpa almost feels yeah. like it's more the death like is that never amusing. <laughs> Danganronpa is popcorn. We can, we yeah, can that's say the that. thing. <laughs> this is this is more like actual. And one of the things, one of the smart things it does is that the entire most of the first episode is not about the death game. It's about the main character of the show and just like how desperate he is. So like mm-hmm. a solid first, the first half of the first episode, basically half hour, is just dedicated to like watching this guy and seeing how the horrible choices he makes and the sad life he's found himself in. Um, and that really just sets the tone for the rest of the show. Cause it doesn't like get you started with death right away. Like there's no death for a while, mm-hmm. which I think is really smart. And yeah, squid game. It's awesome. Uh, I'm sure everyone out there has already heard of it and, and is considering checking it out, but highly, highly recommend. Yeah. It's the kind of thing we're going to, I mean, I, you can tell we, like, I just want to keep talking about it. So maybe we'll talk about it more in the future on the show somehow mm-hmm. or other, because it is a I'm really sure. provocative, like really yeah. provocative I'm show. Watch it. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet it would be a good uh beans cast maybe it might be down the road yeah yeah um okay cool well that is it for this week's diablo fest and we will be back next week for another episode yeah see you both next week bye Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.